So last week, just to kind of, um, let's jump, jump back up to speed. There were several people that stood up last week that talked about, uh, or that, that stood up to say, um, I'm, I'm struggling in understanding my identity in Jesus. Um, if, if you were here last week, Scott talked about uh, this guy by the name of Mephibosheth in the Old Testament. Um, by the way, that is going to be my next child's name. I've claimed it. It's, uh, I looked it up, and it's the most popular name in um, Tunisia. So... I totally just made that up too. Um, but anyway, yes, um, Scott talked about Mephibosheth and how uh, he was in the lineage of Saul. And this is from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, he had been crippled. He had, he had broken his, his feet as a child and, and had, they had never healed properly. And so he was, he was known as, as more or less a lame person he was in the lineage of Saul, and he was in line to become king, and then David became king. And uh, typically in that day, if you were in the line to become king and uh, someone else became king that was not in your family, then your family was killed off. Um, so in Second Samuel chapter 9, it describes this story of how Mephibosheth gets to uh, literally be uh, favored by King David and, um, and how David watched over him and welcomed him at his table, welcomed him as a son. And, uh, and, and Scott kind of gave the imagery that that, that is us. That's who we have, who we were. We were broken and we were called to sit at the table of the father, of the king. And, and we were given all these rights and all this favor that we did not deserve. And um, like I said, I, I just was thinking on that concept. And I was thinking about how, like that is a hard truth to live in. And, and think about this. Mephibosheth was a, uh, he lived during the Old Testament covenant. Okay? And so he was living under the Old Testament law. He was living by a system of rules and regulations. And law says that if you do this, if you are obedient to this, then I will give you X, Y, Z. That's what the Old Testament law says. But Mephibosheth was actually given favor as a son. And, and that blows my mind because King David was actually speaking of the heart of God before the New Testament ever took shape. Like, catch this. Mephibosheth got to experience the promise of the New Testament covenant, which, by the way, grace says, I'm going to give you favor before you're obedient to it. You see the difference? 
Law says you have to be obedient and then I'll give you X, Y, Z. Grace says I'm already giving you favor before you're ever obedient to it. And so Mephibosheth got to experience the favor of the king with no strings attached solely because David wanted to honor his family line. An Old Testament covenant person living in the promise of the New Testament covenant. That's powerful imagery. But here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, that's actually not where the story stops. Because you see, in that story, Mephibosheth was still broken at the table. He was still crippled, but yet he was allowed to be at the table of the king. Fast forward to Jesus. In the New Testament, when you read through the Gospels, Jesus heals all our diseases. He heals all of our brokenness. He heals all of our emotional uh, wreckage and baggage. He paid the price for all of our sin. And like scripture says, by his stripes, we have been healed. So the story doesn't stop at broken people at the table. It actually goes further to, in the New Testament, healed people, whole people, confident people, powerful sons and daughters that are sitting at the table. This morning, what I, I want to do, I'm not trying to, to give a slick message. I'm not trying to like orchestrate some kind of really cool thing where, where we all end well and you, you go home and say, man, that was a, that was a, a really succinct message or whatever. I, all I want to do this morning is I want to speak your identity over you. What I know to be true, what the Lord has impressed upon my heart that I have found true as I have walked with him day in and day out, and, and, and the truth that he's calling me into, I, I want to I give that away. So this morning, I want to speak through scripture what your identity is today. If you are a follower of Jesus operating under the new covenant that Jesus paid a high price for, okay? So... Starting off, you are not broken at the table. You are whole and you are healed and you are fixed and you are perfect and you are confident and you are empowered at the table. Unfortunately, people today are still choosing to operate under the mentality that we are Mephibosheth. I'm a broken, screwed up, messed up human being that just, that just by God's favor, I get to be at the table. And that's my identity. I'm gonna be broken for the rest of my life, but thank God for his grace, I get to be at the table. Guess what? Yes, amen, thank God for his grace. But he did not come for you to muddle through your life thinking that you are broken and screwed up. He came and paid a high price for every single one of us to embrace the fact that we are healed and we are whole and we are made perfect in his sight. That's what he has given us. That's what sets us apart from the world is that we have been given the opportunity to not operate under broken at the table, but to operate under healed and whole at the table. 
The enemy wants us to continue to stay in the Mephibosheth mentality. He wants us to continue to stay that we're broken, to continue to believe that we're messed up and that we're screwed up and that we miss the mark over and all the time and so on and so forth. Because when we do that, it keeps us self-focused and it keeps us complacent because we go, well, I mean, how would God use a sinner like me? Why would God use somebody like me that did X, Y, Z yesterday and is probably going to do something today and tomorrow and so on? And so why would God choose to use some broken, screwed up sinner like me? (laughs) Newsflash, take your Bible and just drop it anywhere. Open a page somewhere. There is a broken, screwed up sinner (laughs) that the father chose to empower to do an amazing work for his kingdom. It's the story. That's what he's been doing. He's redeeming the brokenness. He's fixing it. He's making all things new. This is a part of our new identity that we have to understand. Now, I know what you're thinking because I thought the same thing. (laughs) Maybe you're in here this morning and you are broken. Maybe you have a major uh, addiction or cancer or some other type of sickness or tragedy in your life or you know someone that is going through this or experiencing that. If you want to know, just I'll give you a glimpse into our little prayer request emails. Man, we get stuff all the time. This person is experiencing cancer. This person has lost their job. This person has this, is that, is, I mean, it screams brokenness. It screams um, just screwed up world that we live in. But here's the thing. Our lack of an experience doesn't make the promises in the kingdom any less true. Just because I personally may not uh, be experiencing complete and total healing from a sickness or a disease or freedom from an addiction or fill in the blank doesn't mean that the promises of Scripture are any less true. Right? This is the difference between operating in spirit and operating in flesh. You see, my flesh is the lowest common denominator of who I am. My flesh screams every single day that I'm dying. I'm 33 years old, which is not that old in my opinion, but I'm waking up in the morning and my knee hurts or I have a headache or I get a cold or something else is going on in my, in my physical flesh self and I don't feel good. I look at the world and I see my friend or family member or so on that has cancer, that is dying, that is whatever, fill in the blank, and the world is screaming at me. Flesh wins. There's death all around us. We're all broken. We're all screwed up. It's almost like, um, if if you could just picture with me, like an arrow just going down. Continually. That's our flesh. Every day I wake up with a, with a reminder that I'm going to die. 
every day. It's all around us. Our flesh is always declining. It's the inheritance of the sin that was in my life and that was on my life. It's an inheritance of the consequences of the places where I've missed the mark. I am going to die. My physical flesh body is going to experience sickness, death, hurting, so on and so forth. But just because that is what my flesh experiences doesn't mean that the promises of Scripture are any less true. Jesus still came to heal the sick. He still came to make the lame walk and the blind see and raise the dead and all of those things. He promised it to be true. And here's how we have to embrace this idea. It's not through my flesh because my flesh is gonna fail me every time. It's gonna tell me how bad I am and how much I'm missing the mark. And I'm gonna look at you in your flesh and I'm gonna see you sick and messed up and so on and so forth. So I don't receive this idea in flesh I receive it in spirit. Because you see, when Jesus came, after he paid the price for our sin, he sent us the promise of the Holy Spirit. Our spirit can be renewed every single day. (laughs) So so picture with me. We have an arrow that's kind of going down, and that's my flesh. And at the same time, There's an arrow as a follower of Jesus that's going up. And that's my spirit. People use the analogy about life being a roller coaster. No, life's not a roller coaster. You're actually getting pulled in two very different directions. It's a little more hectic than that. Part of you is going down, a constant reminder of our sin nature and the inheritance of that. And part of you is going up is growing in Christ, is being drawn into an understanding of of a life that is so much better than what we can ask or imagine. So here's part of our identity. We have to choose to receive everything that the Spirit has and to let go of everything that the flesh is. That's part of our identity. It is always flesh versus spirit in the constant in-between phase that we live in. We are not at eternity, but we're not where we used to be. We are in the middle. And there is a constant pull in both directions. So my question this morning is, what are you going to choose? Are you going to lean into the spirit And say, I'm going to choose to believe something in faith that I can't always see. Or am I going to just lean into the lowest common denominator, which is death? We can either choose to experience life or we can let death happen. We can choose to experience life or we can just let death happen. Because it's going to. It's going to. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. I want to I point out two scriptures real quick. One is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. They're divided. They've got all kinds of um, uh, pagan influences that have been kind of trying to creep into their church. They began to experience a little bit of persecution 
And so Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is part of our new identity. I want to unpack just a, a quick bit of it because I got one more thing that I want to jump to. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, uh, looking at verse 16, Paul says, so we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. Listen, every day is a choice. Every morning you wake up, it's either choose life or let death happen. Choose life or let death happen. Paul says, so we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing well. Let the spirit minister to you. He says, though our outer self is wasting away. Remember, flesh is going away. Flesh is dying. This is a constant reminder. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self is being renewed. I want to talk about how to be renewed here in just a minute. But that's what he's saying. He's saying the key to this is that my inner being is being made new. How many of you remember the moment that you said yes to Jesus? Like, like, think back on that moment. Think about the significance of the spiritual benchmarks in your life. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, the moment that you were baptized, the, the moment where you, uh, uh, some people call it rededicated your life, or you really just like leaned in and said, God, I'm giving you everything. Think about those significant moments. In that moment, your spirit was renewed. Like you felt like you could fight again. Like you felt like you had something to stand for. Guess what? Paul is telling us that every single day we have the ability to experience that. We can either let death happen and we can muddle through life or we can be renewed in our spirit every single day, even when our outer self is wasting away. He says, for this light and momentary affliction, (laughs) I love that. Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, Uh, bitten by snakes, uh, all kinds of other stuff, for our light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In other words, he's saying what you experience in the flesh, in the here and now, pales in comparison to what the Spirit wants to do in you every single day. One of our intercessors made an excellent statement a few days, uh, a couple weeks ago, excuse me, and I've been thinking on this for a long, I mean, for just hours upon hours. He said, um, we carry weight, but not burdens. Jesus said, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. We carry weight, but not burdens. And all of a sudden, this passage hit me. You know what the weight I carry? Eternal glory. When I wake up in the morning and I choose to experience life in the face of constant death, I get to experience eternal glory. The weight that I get to carry is so easy because it's like a mind-blowing miracle every day when I get to experience life, when I get to see life in other people, when I get to see Jesus in the people that I interact with on a daily basis. And how do we do this? He said, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are transient. It means they're going away. They're here and there, they're gone. But the things that are unseen are eternal. They're eternal. 
So how do we not be simply living under the identity of a Mephibosheth? Where I say, man, I'm just broken and I'm at the table. I'm just glad to be at the table. You're more than that. You've been given an opportunity for more than that. How do we receive that? First of all, I think that faith is an absolute key in understanding this. Faith is an absolute key. It says in Hebrews 11 that, that faith is the, uh, the evidence of things unseen. The conviction of things hoped for. The evidence of things that are unseen. Paul just said it again here in 2 Corinthians that we choose to see things that are unseen. That doesn't even make sense, right? How can I see something that's not seen? Well, it's my spirit. My renewed spirit man actually calls out to the presence of God in my everyday life. When I go to Starbucks and grab a coffee, I'm not going to just get a coffee anymore. My spirit man inside that is being renewed because I choose that to happen. Because when I wake up in the morning and I say, God, this is yours. I want you to have this. I have the opportunity to step into any environment, whether it's the coffee shop or my work or my family, and let that renewed spirit man call out to the presence of God in my community. It's the Holy Spirit in you connecting to the Holy Spirit in me. And on top of that, even better, it's the Holy Spirit in me calling me to the brokenness of someone else that is experiencing flesh moments that I get to actually minister to. This happens between my wife and I all the time. Like, I love the relationship that her and I get to share together on this planet because there's moments where I come in and I'm like, Oh, I stink as a dad. Like, I'm terrible. I just yelled at my kid or, or I'm not a good husband or, you know, I'm angry or whatever. I, I'll, I'll confess these things to her. And she goes, no, 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 that's not you. That's not you. Jesus paid the price for that. You're covered. Don't forget. Your outer self is being wasting away. Your inner man is being renewed. That's your identity. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's right. I gotta believe that. Or she'll come in and she'll be beating herself up and I get the opportunity to call out the renewed spirit in her. Faith is the key to this. All the promises of God's kingdom are to be, to be received in faith because they are unseen first, but they're not intended to stay that way. All of his promises of the kingdom have to be received in faith We have to believe and hang on to something that we cannot see first, but they're not intended to stay that way. This is why miracles are so important. When we see someone that is broken, when we see someone that is struggling, and when I say miracle, I'm not talking about just lame people walking and blind people seeing, although that is a huge part of it. I'm talking about emotionally broken people. I'm talking about people that are chained to addiction in their mind. We actually can proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ over that person in the unseen because the seen says that guy's never going to be healed. He's broken. He's screwed up. But the unseen, the spirit man in me, the faith that is in me actually calls out to say, no, 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 that's not in the kingdom. Brokenness doesn't exist in the kingdom. And so I'm given an opportunity every day to actually go and speak identity. You're a child of the king. 
but I can't give away what I don't have. If I don't minister to this to myself every single day that my spirit man is being renewed, then I can't give it away because I'm choosing to experience death. The promises of the kingdom of God are received in faith, first in the unseen, second in the seen. Lastly, give me five more minutes. Romans 12. How do we embrace this new identity where we're not broken at the table, but we're whole at the table? How do we embrace this in the most full possible way? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I just want to unpack this really quickly. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... He's saying, I'm making my claim. I'm calling this out like a lawyer would, would before a judge or before a jury. I appeal to you, brothers, listen to this, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's, let's unpack that for just a minute. Okay, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice. Literally, what he is saying is because God is full of mercy, because God is deeply aware of our flesh. He's deeply aware. He's merciful. He's gracious. He is inclined to us. He's deeply aware of the experiences that we have every single day. When it says present your bodies, literally that word means to just go stand beside. So when I wake up in the morning, my first action has got to be Hey, God, if, if this square represents God's presence, which it doesn't, but if it did, because his presence is everywhere, my first action of the day is to get up and to go stand before him. Why? Because he's merciful and because he's gracious and because he knows the struggles that we go through every single day. And so when I present myself as a what? As a living sacrifice, I present my body as a living sacrifice. I love that the word body in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the New Testament, the word flesh is almost always used as a, um, as, a, as a really bad word. It means all the sinful things that we experience in the world. But in this context, the word body is not flesh. The word body actually is our whole self my spirit, my soul, my physical self, everything. Present my body, present everything that I am to the Lord because he's gracious. Present it as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were not for death, even though a death occurred. Sacrifices were for redemption. So what I'm saying is, hey, God... I am presenting myself to you so that I can be reminded that as I walk through this day that you've bought me back. You've bought me back. That's where redemption is. It's being, we've been bought back. And when we see someone that's broken, when we see someone that is struggling 
we actually can have the ability to remind them that they can be renewed, that they can be healed, that they can be whole. That's what Jesus does. It's miraculous for me to think that he could take my old flesh sick body. Like this has happened multiple times this week in our offices and in our community where I've heard stories of people walking up to someone and praying over them and they're healed. God is actually taking my sick fleshly body and calling out the renewed part. I love that. Like that blows my mind that he would remind me that how I am to operate in the kingdom is free and clear and confident and not broken. It blows my mind that I get the opportunity to do that. All brokenness, listen to this, is an opportunity for heaven to extend its reach to earth. All brokenness, every bit of it, physical, emotional, fill in the blank, all brokenness is an opportunity for heaven to extend its reach to earth. (laughs) He says when we do this, this is our spiritual worship. If I offer my body, (laughs) it's spiritual. That's like a paradox. If I offer my body, myself, even my flesh, if I offer myself to God, that's spiritual worship. I love that. Spiritual worship. The word spiritual in that context is the word is where we get our word logic. Thinking. The ability to unpack something. Literally, what this scripture is saying is that when we offer all of ourselves to the Father, we are actually stepping into true reality. True reality is the mind of God. It's being able to see things the way He sees them. It's being able to hear things the way He hears them. It's being able to call out true reality in the face of dying flesh every single moment of every single day. This is our identity, this is who we are. We are given this opportunity. And this is only known through faith. Like 2 Corinthians says, spiritual thing or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. If we choose to operate in our flesh every day, all we will see is death and destruction and hatred and brokenness around us. So here's the last part and then I'm done. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by testing that you may discern what's the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. We all know this, we all know this is true because we experience it every single day. Our mind is a battlefield. It's where all the struggles begin. It's where all 
uh, sin occurs. They, it's all premeditated. We think about it. It comes out in our flesh. Like our mind is such a valuable tool. When now when your mind is in control of you, it's an unhealthy tool. But when the spirit is in control of your mind, it is a valuable tool. The mind makes an awesome servant, but a terrible master. And so what we have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to renew our mind. He's got to reshape the way we think, reshape the way we see the world, reshape the way we see ourselves. We're not Mephibosheth's broken at the table. Even though my flesh might be screaming that, I have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in the kingdom, I'm whole, perfect, confident, able, equipped. And literally, I get to call heaven down. I get to call the kingdom down through my prayers and through my experiences. I get to see the unseen when I operate with a renewed mind. So here's what I want to pray this morning. And I want you, I want you to pray this um, as well. First of all, I, I just need to tell you this real quick. This is, this is a practical thing, um, but I, I know I'm like killing my time, but I just, I just need to share this really quickly. Um, like in a practical way, the way our, our brains work is they run off these neurological pathways. And so like, like let's say, for instance, um, if, I, if my routine is to get up in the morning and to go brush my teeth and take a shower and um, you know, comb my beautiful hair and all those kind of things, you can laugh, it's okay. I comb my hair. But if that's my routine every single morning to get up and to do these things, I'm creating a neurological pathway. I'm creating a habit that I do over and over and over again. And my brain becomes accustomed to that pathway. In the, in the natural world, we actually have to break that in order to see breakthrough. And so I would be willing to bet that there are some, if not all, there are people in here today that are operating out of these neurological pathways I'm addicted to X, Y, Z because this is just what I do. I think this way about my spouse because this is just what I do. I look at my work, my coworkers this way because this is the way I think about them. And we just create these neurological pathways that we just do over and over and over again. It's like, a, it's like a hiker walking through a trail. The first time you walk through a trail, like it's all kind of brushy and hard to get through. But once you start walking and walking and keep walking, eventually that trail gets beaten down and it becomes a really easy path. And so when we become awoken to the fact that the spirit wants to renew our mind, that's a hard path to follow. Because the neurological pathway says go this way. And so that's why we're seeing failure over and over again is because we're walking these pathways. The Lord says, I want to give you a renewed mind. I want to knock those pathways out. I want you to destroy those pathways and create a garden there. (laughs) And I want you to walk with me. And so if you would just bow your heads and and, and close your eyes, I I just want 
just a, just as a, mo- a matter of um, transparency and honesty among yourself. If anything that I have said this morning just um, hits home, like you're seeing death, destruction, hardship, whatever all around you, and you need to be reminded of your identity. And, and, and on top of that, you, you need a renewed mind. Like we wanna pray over freedom right now in Jesus' name for that. So if that is you, would you just raise your hand so that we can just partner with you, just a renewed mind. That's what we're asking for, amen. A renewed mind, new pathways to be created in your brain, amen, amen, amen. Hey Jesus, thank you for the freedom that you gave us. I pray that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would literally empower every single person within the sound of my voice with the ability to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are free and that we are healed regardless of what our experience is, Jesus. I pray that we would claim that in Jesus' name. And then on top of that, I just ask that our experience would affirm what we know to be true in scripture, God. Father, renew our minds. Renew our minds. Make them brand new. Show us a new way to think, a new way to live, God. Break us as we step in obedience out of the habit of just walking down the same pathways over and over and over again. Renew our mind, Jesus. Your Holy Spirit can do that. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus and in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Amen.